0: Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first.
2: ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times.
3: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
0: This is part one of a two-part live, spontaneous, besotted podcast from the Globe Pub in Brentford. This is one of a number of very lively, besotted live social events we've done over the years. And now that hopefully things are getting back to normal, they're going to be back with our 2020 end of season social actually taking place at the start of season 2021. So watch this space. You can contact us for more information on our socials, forthcoming Premier League content and anything else by going to besotted.com and filling in the form on the homepage. You can also support us if you fancy by going to besotted.com forward slash beer. Just to let you know, we spent loads of time and energy pulling together great content. We've gave 30 years and nearly 800 podcasts deep. We appreciate our content's not for everyone and that's not a problem at all, but if that's the case have some integrity, and you can switch off now. Everyone else, thanks for your support, and enjoy the podcast. So, how is everybody today? Do you feel like you've gone up? I'm not too sure about that. This is the besotted Premier League... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm Billy Grant and I'm here with my man Dave Lane and as you know we like to do a bit of a social every now and again and we've been living in a box for the last what, 18 months absolutely sweating and fretting and the virtual joint and all these places that we keep doing our podcasts on pretending we're in the pub but you know very much we're sitting in our living rooms or in our bedrooms or wherever but we've had the opportunity to come here and go live in the globe outside the globe <laughs> and it's very nice too so listen, we thought today not only are we going to have a live podcast we're going to bring some very, very special guests to come with us today and you can ask them as many questions as we like we'll ask them questions, we'll have a bit of a laugh it's all going to be very, very relaxed so I'm sitting here in the globe with Phil Giles and Rasmus Ankersen directors of football for Brentford FC Rousing applause for them. Like I said, this is the first event for two years and uh, it feels great to be back. It's a sort of different vibe than we normally do. We couldn't have our end of season show, but we'll have that back soon because as you know, things are getting better. Just want to say just a few things. First of all, to support us, really appreciate all the support that people have been giving us. If you want to support us again, it helps us to get speakers, equipment, computers, website hosting, all that lot. Just go to besotted.com. forward slash beer and you can buy us a beer. (laughs) As they say, we'll have much more content next season because apparently we're in the Premier League. (laughs) Like I said, we'll have a social early next year. We weren't sure when to do it, but we think it's going to be better to do it early next season as well. And like I said to you, and we'll have lots more stuff. But listen, we've got a lot of fun today. I know you've been waiting. Thanks very much, everybody, for coming down here. We've got a small invited audience, but they're very, very lively, just like you were for the Bournemouth game, just like you were at Wembley. And I can still hear... I think the Swansea fans are in the corner very quiet. (laughs) You know, but what's changed? But listen, what we're going to do, myself and Lainey are going to do our usual thing. We're going to sit here and talk to our esteemed guests today. They'll talk to us. We'll ask them questions. They'll ask you questions. You could throw in questions as well. We've got questions from the floor. We're going to make it really relaxed and hope everyone is going to enjoy themselves today.
5: So thanks very much for coming, everybody. Uh, as Billy said, it's absolutely brilliant to see everyone down here. The last time I was here, I wasn't very sober. Um, and fortunately, I went home about one in the morning, and I woke up to see photographs of people still down here at five and six in the morning. Allegedly, to, allegedly, allegedly I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, they, uh, it was photoshopped, photoshopped, the, the, the time stamp was photoshopped, but... What we've got here tonight are two people that have been central, pivotal to the club's rise up through the divisions, um, and for us to be where we are. And, you know, I think we're all pinching ourselves when we see Brentford, Premier League. I, 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 I used to think I would love to see it in my lifetime, and I never quite believed that would happen. It's happened. These two people, have made that dream come true so tonight ask them and let's find out how we're going to build on this we're not here we're not here to make up the numbers we are Brentford and we're here to stay
0: so where do we film s- where, where do we start Phil? let's start at the beginning I think though so listen just I thought it might be good because, listen, what we said to them, as you know, when we do our podcast, when, when, when you guys do your media thing, it's all good because you go there and they go down to the training ground and people chat to you and, and you've got your self-constructed answers that you give and they're, they're very, very, you know, they're very professional. Honest answers only.
4: <laughs> Honest answers.
0: That's right. But we thought, tell you something, what we'll do here is that we'll just just try and dig a little bit further and we we'll try and find a little bit more. So first of all, Phil, just give us a little bit more about you and your background.
4: Uh. Right, where do I start? Um, how far do you want to go back? I, I, do, I, I do maths. I do maths. <laughs> I do some maths. Uh, I worked for Matthew for a long time, 14 years this year. So, um, yeah, and well, how long have you been now? Six, six years. Six years this last May, so, yeah. Time's flown by, right? Six years, yeah. Exactly. Is
0: that enough? enough? But listen, tell us about Newcastle. Tell us about, you know, Phil Giles, the old school Phil Giles, not the mathematician, but initially when you grew up, you know, with your family, with your mum and all that, you know, what what was going down? Yeah, so I was like a massive
4: Newcastle fan and uh, stayed Newcastle till I was about 26. And the reason was because season tickets in the 90s were like old us right and I had one and I was keeping it and that was it <laughs> so I stayed at university and did you know loved to be good enough to play wasn't good enough to play Went to university did maths and thought how can you combine maths and football and the only way was in betting in those days you can do it in professional football clubs these days it turns out but mm. uh but yeah betting in those days
0: that's how I got to know Matthew so yeah and here I am but you used to go to I mean you used to actually travel to see Newcastle didn't you You've seen them in a few cup finals a few yeah. cup semi-finals, losing at Wembley. We all know how that feels, yeah, don't we? Right. I think we've <laughs> all been there. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there too. That's
4: right. I was at the um, the four three, the ninety six four three, famous one. I mm. was in the away end then, so seventeen years old. Got on the bus, skipped school. Yeah, so yeah, oh, big I part
0: of my life for a long time. Didn't hear about the skip school part, you know? Oh yeah, I didn't skip school. That's yeah. too late, but they can't come up on <laughs> that now, can they? Yeah. And you used to um, you used to bury yourself in your room quite a lot, didn't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this going? <laughs> <laughs> I was say, you used to, yeah, because you were a very studious young man.
4: Uh, well, uh, eventually I was, not always, not always. I was, I was out playing football and watching football and doing all that stuff. Eventually I had to be, you know,
0: you've got to knuckle down sometime, haven't you? Yeah. So, t- uh, t- yeah. Tell you something, I've got, I've got, I've got, just, just, have, a, just have a little listen to this. Okay, I, I don't know if you recognise this at all. Hi Philip, it's your mum.
5: I just wanted to say how proud I am of all you've achieved. You worked so hard through school and university and deserve your success at Brentford. I'm looking
0: forward to coming to the community stadium one day soon and watch the Bees play in the Premier League. Congratulations to everyone at Brentford.
4: You're you're looking at me after free tickets, isn't she?
0: <laughs> Tell you something, Phil. Aren't we all? <laughs> you know, this pandemic is locked, locked down, and we've got um, we've got less allocations. So you know, you can see all the eyebrows going. Yeah. But anyway, but so yeah, so like I said to you, just going back to your old school days. You know, back in Newcastle, as I said to you, you uh, you you graduated through, and you uh, you started to work for Smart Odds, as we say. I mean, I, I mean, how that, how how did that come about? And and. and and why did you you know why did you move to to London to to get smart so I am I remember coming down and doing some interviews in London
4: and uh, I had an interview in the morning at a hedge fund and was asked questions about what the Chinese interest rates were at the the time and I I had no clue I was just guessing I had no idea and in the afternoon uh, going to a company called SpreadX and being asked who's the best player in League 2 and thinking (laughs) that's for me that's what I'm going to be doing so went worked for a company called SpreadX for two years, was a, was a football trader and started to live with a guy called Johnny who was a professional gambler. So it was pretty much 24 hours of football, uh, watching sport, how do you price something, what's the odds, how, what's going to happen, how do you predict it, how do you get the data? And that was kind of perfect for working for Matthew because that's, that's what he does. So, um, so that's, that's how that all panned out. So two years later, someone had to go and work for Matthew and been there ever since.
0: I've got I've got another little message as well. You know, you know, I like to prepare these things earlier, you know, and I've got another little one for you. Do you recognize this voice?
1: Hi Philip, it's your brother Michael. Just want to say congratulations to you and everyone at Brentford on getting promoted to the Premier League. You always used to say that maths was very important, uh and, and I always just ignored you but it just goes to show that with the position you're in at the minute uh, and all your success, maths was very important and I probably should have listened to you a bit more. This house is now definitely a Brentford house at Mum's and at ours. Uh, Every gift that we buy for Mum now has a bees theme to it, whether it be a bee cushion or a bee scarf, everything has bees on it. Uh, And my mum uh, is just Brentford mad at the minute. Brentford's always the team that we look out for uh, other than in the Premier League so it's going to be very strange seeing you alongside us Uh, always looking out for the results Uh, It's just a shame that the home kit is red and white because it doesn't go down very well up here in Newcastle when you walk around in a red and white striped shirt Uh, Definitely going to try and get down to the Brentford Community Stadium next season We'll have to look out for the fixtures uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing everyone up here at St James's Park We'll definitely have to show you the places to go, all the bees fans, when you're up here in Newcastle. Uh, where to go and maybe where to avoid. Cheers.
0: He's definitely after tickets.
4: So, um, just to be clear, he still won't listen to a word I say. Let's be honest, that's <laughs> not going to happen. He's Easy, brother. So, um, yeah, just so you were talking about superstition before, weren't you? You know, you were talking about you know what you wore for the final, right? To give you an idea, my mum's such a Brentford fan now. Everything she buys has a B on. And before, after the first uh, Bournemouth uh, semi final, she noticed that she has a watch with a B on it and it had stopped. It had stopped, so she'd need the battery changed. So literally the day before, she was rushing out to replace the battery in a watch because <laughs> I have to get this watch started. That's going to make all the difference. <laughs> and I, I sit there rolling my eyes going, mother, man, come on.
0: Yeah. I mean, Anybody else? Superstition? Put your hands up. You know, before the, the semi I mean, Jay, Jay, big superstition man, aren't you? Yeah. That's a different, different shirts thing. Listen, I'm going to flip it around because we've got Rasmus here as well. Now, Rasmus goes back a little bit earlier than Phil. I mean, Phil's Johnny-come-lately. He's like, you know, he jumped on the bandwagon, didn't he? Like, <laughs> but Rasmus was there in the early days. He was there in the Division One days, us lurking around. I actually remember the first time I met you. Do you remember when I met you the first time? It was at the Galladina. It was at the end of season... Uh, ball where we actually had got promoted.
3: That's right. Have we got promoted? I no, was uh, When we lost, I think it was the season when we lost uh, the semifinals to Middlesbrough. Yep. It was that year.
0: Oh, uh, he's out. T- he's, uh, you know, he's noted it down. I was there too. Just
4: to here. Come let We came together exactly the same time. <laughs>
0: Maybe that was a case, but I was—I remember being introduced to you, and 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 uh, and you were sort of, like a city. You, you were you were there, and I didn't quite know what your role was at the time. You kind of because I tell you, you what—you g- you heard rumors. I, I remember <laughs> you heard rumors. I was doing a bit of sniffing, were not I? Yeah. And and uh, but you didn't tell me what you were doing there, did
3: you? No, I think you knew knew what was going to happen at the time. I think that was just just about when it was going to be announced that uh, that uh, Phil and I were going to. Come in, and um, so I was doing a bit
0: of investigative journalism. You were, yeah, I think you were. (laughs) Yeah, so you were sitting. I must admit, you were sitting there, and I must admit, I started chatting to you. And Wolverton looked over to me, and he looked a little bit sheepish. It has to be said, and I knew there was something going on because his eyes were like that. You were like this oh. <laughs> and I thought I put two and two together and I was thinking there's gonna be some sort of coup. Well, it wasn't a coup, but you know, there's gonna be some sort of <laughs> <laughs> some sort of change going on here. So I didn't say coup, I said change. <laughs> I didn't see any guns. <laughs> but what I mean, what was your vision at that time? Because it was very, very early days still. Obviously, you know, I mean I'm talking about that. I mean I I w wanna go back to beforehand, because 'cause first of all, your background, like I said to you, I looked into it listen, you, you actually played football? Knows. you've actually got
3: a pretty I'm one, th- I'm one of the only ones who actually in the in the Brentford management team that actually played at a decent level. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Phil, you
0: So, so you ask have, him you ask have ask to agree with that Phil? Ask him what level it was.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he played for FC Michelin, so yeah, that level. First team? The first
3: team? Um I got injured in um uh, <laughs> If if that if that hadn't happened, you no, know, I mean I wouldn't there. be sitting here today. I would play the Euros. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got injured your
0: FCM, okay? But then after that, you went to do you know, your football coaching badges. And like I said, people know that. I'm, I'm not anywhere near this at all. But I've, I've seen what it's like when you start to get on the sort of the... I've done a few coaching things, and it's actually really hard. It's, it is quite hard. I mean, I've done a couple of, well, a couple of coaching badges, and it is actually hard. You have to study. You have to do things. The other thing is that you've got to run around and sort of kick a football as well, which is probably the hardest part, actually. Um, but you actually got a UEFA license, which is—I mean—that is like properly like PhD level when it comes to coaching.
3: I mean, that's pretty impressive. I think it sounds a bit more sophisticated than it is. is, it, is you it know, Roy Keane? <laughs> has Roy Keane uh, got one? No, I, I, I think, but I think the, 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 the former players can fast-track the system somehow, so uh, they don't have to take as many courses as you know so, so you everyone said you, else. So you cheated a little bit, you know. Well. <laughs> I didn't but I think the talk, the, 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 if you played at a high level you you're allowed to cheat the system. But Phil Phil's saying that you didn't play at a high level so <laughs> no, I wasn't <laughs> uh, we we we
0: can,
3: we can talk forever about this, but listen uh, you, you, you should come down and and, and, and watch the staff game this summer and you can you can make your own mind up. <laughs> we'll
5: be up for that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. that. Yeah. Let's let's be honest that uh, You've unraveled pretty quickly here, haven't you? And this, this
3: this I'm the top player business didn't last very long, did it? You you'll get a, you'll be a bit surprised about Thomas Frank if you came. You know? Yeah? He be, yeah, he's, he's got uh, some skills. No no, no. He I <laughs> won't He he he'll, he'll be doing this all the time to the referee.
0: Hey! Oh, that was a watch movement by the way that Res
3: was just done. Yeah. He, he he he's crazy. He's crazy on yeah. a football pitch. He's a bit like Roy Keane, I would say, actually, like it, it, that, it. that type of tackles. You know, there's some re- re- uh, really,
0: really. I mean, I was just, I was just wondering. it's uh, funny that you should mention that because
3: I was just wondering.
0: I mean, where would this sit within? Just, just hold the hold the microphone a minute, okay. Where does what this do sit on where does it sit on on a on a level of whiteboard? I mean Thomas Frank's got the hit. last season he had top whiteboard. Where does this sit on, on a level of whiteboardness?
3: Yeah, I would
0: say it's it's confidence level. <laughs> conference level. So you might need an upgrade on that one. So Yeah. <laughs> we've had to put the whiteboard away. But so you did the coaching badges, you come into Brentford. How I mean, how did your you coming back to this, your
3: introduction to Brentford? I mean, how did that come about? So um yeah, I, um, so I, I wrote a book um, called The Goldmine Effect. That's why I moved to London 12 years ago to get it published here. And, um, and I used to do quite a lot of speaking. Uh, and and uh, at one point, I did, a, I, did a, I did a talk at a 50-year-old birthday in, in Copenhagen. And um, apparently, there was someone in the audience there who heard this. She had a cousin um, who studied with Matthew. And these two uh, women got together and they talked. And she said, "Oh, I heard this guy speak about something with recruitment." And the other one said, "Well, I know this guy. He runs a football club. He's really into, you know, improving recruitment and things like that." So why don't we introduce them? And um, so so I got this LinkedIn message from her. Her her name was Julie, and um, and she was introducing me to Matthew. And then I went to uh, to Jersey Road to meet him. And um, there was this was like. I think there was five games. There was, this was the Doncaster season, and, uh, and there was like five games to go, and I think Brentford sat third or something at that time, so obviously pushing for promotion. And, uh, and I met Matt, and I said to him, like, "Wow, so, well, do you think you're going to promote this season? You know, you must be pretty excited about it." Then he just looked at me, then he said, "Well, at the moment there's a 42 percent chance we'll promote." <laughs> uh, and um, and uh, you yeah, know, I you know just made me realize I've, I met someone there who thought like really different about the, the game. And, and then we started spending some time together. And um, at one point, he, he, wanted to, he wanted to buy another football club. Uh, and I introduced him to my, my childhood club, Midtjylland in Denmark. They were almost bankrupt at the time. So, uh, What year was that? <laughs> that was 2014. 14, yeah. So,
0: so this is the same year that we uh, were in the, in the championship? Yeah, no, cha- first was year in the
3: championship? That was, first that year in the championship? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, yeah, and then kind of, yeah, I don't know, I, I mean, do you remember what happened? I mean, we, we then... I probably wasn't there. <laughs> no, but, but, really, but, but I think a lot, like, quite a few of the things we wanted to do worked in that first season at Midland, and, and Matthew wanted to change things at Brentford and then we had quite a lot of discussion about what was going to happen at, you know, we had quite, I remember we had some meetings and smart odds and, you know, people looked around the room and said, who's going who's gonna to lead this and then no one put their hand up. And then they looked to Phil and myself and said, why don't you guys do it? And, um, and here we are. It's interesting. I'm going to say this because uh, the point is that
0: 2014, which is the year that we went up to the championship, we were riding high. You know, uh, Warburton you know, took us up from the Division one to the championship. We were riding high that season. But interestingly, because Matt took over... Michelin in that same year, and things seem to accelerate a lot faster with Michelin than it did at Brentford. And I know that there was a lot of you know, again, we don't have to say names of people, but there's a lot of issues in trying to make that transition from Brentford compared to Michelin. And it seemed to take a lot longer for things to happen here than it did over there because within a couple of years they won the league, if I remember rightly. Why do you think that was?
3: Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I think. Promoting to the Premier League is a lot harder than winning the championship uh, in Denmark, I would say. So, it 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 was it was, you know, I don't think you. I think I think Brentford did pretty well at the time. And sometimes when you have success, it's uh, it's it's harder to change. Whereas Midland, like, were really struggling at the time. You know, people were really they 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 had to change to to to, you know, to to keep up with the better teams. So, uh, there was maybe more. More, more an openness to some of the ideas, I don't know, I mean, they, but it, you know, some of, the, some of the, the ideas have actually, have definitely worked, worked well there, and I think that other things have not worked so well there, that we that worked well here, so, I wouldn't say it's been, it was, it was a lot more successful, but I think it plays into it that, that Midland was in a different situation, a lot less successful than, than Brentford was at the time, and that made it, made it more difficult to change things here.
4: Yeah, so sometime early in uh, <clears throat> early 2015, me and him got into a room and sort of had to try and work out what on earth we were going to do because we were kind of chucked together on, right, what we we going to do? We had to make up even a job title. We came up with our job title, right? I mean, there was nothing, no, no starting point And we couldn't get down the training ground because we weren't officially employed by the club. So we had to kind of work out how, what to do from the outside. And that was pretty tricky. We didn't have a recruitment team. The only really person that we had who we sort of had on the inside of the training ground who we trusted and who we got under our wing quite quickly, was uh, Rob Rowan. So, so we had to try and plan, a, a, you know, who's the new manager going to be, who are we going to recruit, what's the style of play, and that was very difficult when you're sitting on the outside, and then you have to go in and hope that what you've done works from day one, and it didn't. So then we were behind the curve a little bit already, and um, obviously then Lee Carsley helped us out, but then obviously getting Dean Smith in gave us that stability to then start to do some of the things that have unfolded over the last five years or so.
0: Do you think it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a British thing because you were struggling to kind of get your ideas across from early days, you know, as opposed to Denmark. So try if if people are in, let's say for example, football is, is quite traditional. You're going in with quite untraditional methods, okay? And for the first two or three years, uh, you know, you found it quite hard to actually instill your methods um, into the club. Um, di- didn't you feel it that way?
4: No, well, I didn't actually. I'm not, not sure that's true. I'm not sure that people weren't responsive. It's more or less the same stuff who were there now, and actually they were all really, really good. Just what took time was to build that kind of uh, that, that solid environment and um, get the right players and the young players coming through, and that just all takes time, right? It, it, it wasn't that there was a, a resistance. I don't think. Um, most of the time, it was just that it took took a while for us to kind of consolidate it, get everything pointing in the right direction, review the academy, we closed the academy, and all those things took quite a lot of time. So, um, yeah, it took us a couple of years to get things more or less how it's been. I think for four years, where it's been a fairly steady progression of buy a young player, develop a young player, sell a young player, reinvest, and grow it up to where we are now.
5: Uh, do you think this kind of dual ownership of football clubs—one in one in England, one in Denmark? Is kind of is it confused or has it helped Brentford's evolution? I mean, I know Brentford fans uh, early on were kind of very sceptical or um, questioned why, what, you know, why why are we looking? Why is Matt looking to 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 be spending money? I mean, Matt can spend his money where he wants, obviously, but but why why aren't why isn't he spending double the money on Brentford? Do you think Brentford could have got? To the top quicker if it hadn't been for Mitterland or has Mitterland helped in our learning process?
3: I definitely think it's helped that you had another environment that you could get more experiences from. So you kind of you kind of accelerated the number of experiences you had that you can then learn from and, and use to improve things. I think where um, where where there is a big advantage in potentially having more than one club is 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 in the player you know creating the the right player pathway. And I think what what we haven't been able to do is really get the get the most from that, uh, because the clubs have been more cousins, I would say, where now with Brentford in the Premier League, it become it's become more like a big brother little brother relationship, and that means that, say for example, the best players from Midland, when Brentford was in the Championship, would probably have seen themselves going to Premier League or going to Bundesliga, you know, so. So it was not a natural step to, to stay within, within the group, but, but, but now it, there, there are more opportunities that we, we need to, to look at when it, call, when it comes to play, uh, exchanging, um, exchanging players. So, um, so I, f- I think, I think we are in a better place with that now, but definitely that, there's no doubt that the, n- the number of experiences we had at Midland has helped Brentford and vice versa.
4: I think the key thing for me with Denmark is that we're now massive in Denmark. You know, how many how many Danes watched our playoff final?
3: Yeah, it was it was it was a it was a big game. It's a, but it's right. It's, we, we, it allowed us to, you know, a lot. Some of the Danish players we have at Brentford now, you know, they would probably been been looking for a higher level or a bigger club somewhere. But because we had this Danish connection, it almost felt like being in a. You know, be be. It doesn't feel too far from home, really. You know, do do you
5: think Emiliano Emiliano was a perfect example of that, where he was like caught in between the two, where he was, you know, he he went back to Milan to find his form, and he came back, um, and now he's he's sort of like, what what is the future for Emiliano? Not well, not necessarily what happens with him, but do you think he's a good example of where you know Milan were ahead of us, and now we're maybe slightly ahead of them.
3: No, I'm not sure. I think if both Emiliano, but also Christian Nagard and Matthias Jensen are good examples of players that probably had options to go to bigger clubs, but also chose to come to Brentford for other reasons than just the money or the size of the club. Um, and and I think that that has helped us because we built a core core players there that maybe maybe we were able, you know, what that's one of the reasons I think we've been able to punch a bit above our weight. So.
4: Yeah, that was exactly, exactly the, what I was going to say, that those two example example players are players who we wouldn't have got if we hadn't been... If we'd just been picking a player, let's Matius Jensen, for example, I said one year before we signed him, can we get him out of, what was he, Northland? Yeah. No, too good, going to go to Selvig, going to La Liga. Uh, had we then tried to go and sign him from La Liga where he wasn't playing, and if we had no Danish connection, why would you have come here? There was no nothing to build on, no foundation. So that recruitment is, uh, has been the main... Uh, you know, benefit, I think, of having Michelin and having that
0: profile in, in Denmark. So, I mean, you're talking about now, you know, big brother, um, little brother. So, different relationship. So.
3: <laughs> I know
0: <Yeah>. what's <laughs> coming there. <is> <laughs> Rasmus. <laughs> Frank Cunyaka. So, what's going on? He's a good you player, good player. Where, where, where
3: did you, where do you hear about him?
0: I heard, I, I heard he's a good player that plays for FCM, who, who wants to play in the Premier League. <laughs> And what team would he? He wants to play in the Premier League. <laughs> and so when he hears a big cheer like that, what team would he w- like to go to? Do you think? I mean, I'm just asking, just fishing.
5: No, I, I don't know. What kind of team could be in for
0: him? Uh, Ish. Oh, oh, oh,
4: I, I, I don't know him. Who is he? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Phil, Phil talked. Phil, yeah, Phil I mean, talked to Resmus, and so you could sort it out amongst yourselves now, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah, we have a we have a running joke about how easy it is to get players out of Denmark and Michelin because the the negotiators over there are so soft, such a soft touch. He, <laughs> we
0: can we can walk all over those guys, no problem. Yeah. I've never heard you so tongue tied. Uh,
3: it's, uh, it's, 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 it's going to be a long, long conversation to have with like with yourself. Long, long negotiation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to How long we got? want yeah. we move on? Go on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, <laughs> right. So he's coming. Right, who's next? <laughs> Where should we go to now? Should we go to France?
1: <laughs>
0: so um, it's great. I'll tell you something. Right, podcast over. <laughs> um, so tell you something. We're talking about the path of progress as well. So the academy... Again, we're not going to go to the history of the academy, because obviously the one thing is that Matthew loved, he like, literally he loved the academy. And I, and I feel, you know, can, can contest that as well. He was so proud before we'd opened the academy because he loves developing young players. He wanted to put money into it. He got the dome in Oxbridge, all these things. He put money into it. And it wasn't quite going to, you know, to, to, to plan as probably as, as he'd like, but he'd still like to keep it on. I know that for a fact. And it kind of got to a stage where I suppose there was a, you know, between us, we had to look at, you know, We're looking at Premier League and you're putting money in a certain place and you had to sort of prioritise. Now, I know that this is where you, you came in and you kind of had a look around and made a, a little, you know, not advice, but you were looking at where we could go next. And this is where the BT model came in. Do you want us to talk us through that?
3: Yeah, we, we I think it was uh, at the end of the day, it was a business decision really because we were spending quite a lot of money on an academy. And why do we have an academy? You, 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 you have it because you want to produce first-team players. We didn't produce many minutes for the first team, none at all actually. And uh, you want to you want to be able to you know make it a profit center. In the you want to put them into the first team, sell them on. That's the business model at Brentford. And we were not doing any of those things. So we had to we have to review it. And really, the problem was that um, uh, whenever we had like a, a player that we thought, all right, he's got a real chance to go to the first team, he he, he became 17, you know. Basically, a free player had to sign his first professional contract. Then Man City, Man United, some of the big London clubs came in, You know, paid, paid the agent good money, paid the player good money, paid the family good money. And you know, there we were. We, we spent all this money developing that kid, and we got very little compensation. So you're playing, I mean, you, like Josh bahui is a player that you're talking about,
0: you know, who is at Man City, and now he's playing for Leeds United, and he was a player. Is it not Josh? Giancarlo uh, Paveda. I'm oh, sorry, uh, sorry Paveda. So, Paveda is at Man City as well, and he's the one that's gone to, went to Man City. He's got Leeds United now, playing in the Premier League. And we went to United. That's, that's right, it, Joshua went to Man, Man United. And the... Comp- okay, there's, there's two things here. First of all, people say, but you get compensation.
3: Yeah, but very, very, you know, nof- nothing that justifies uh, putting that sort of money into an academy. So, you know, I mean, the, we, we fought long and hard about what, what our model, what was the right model for us. Should we go to become a Category 4 academy? Should we upgrade and become a category one academy, but well, we just felt there was a model where we could be different than anyone else, uh, which was the B team you know where we would take seventeen year old players you know a lot of them like rejects from from other bigger academies, but also I think we had a good story to tell to go to you know, small and medium sized country in Europe and take the likes of Matt Speck, for example, Burak. they were top players in their their countries and they fought Brentford was a great pathway to playing, ultimately, in the Premier League, you know? But, um... hey!
0: <laughs> in, but interesting, and, and, I'm, and I'm sort of playing slightly devil's advocate here because I speak to like, a lot of coaches, a lot of academy people as well, and, you know, every time I sort of say Brentford, you know, they, it gets quite, quite sort of, um, sticky because they just can't believe that Brentford have closed down the academy, even though I try and just explain, and I look at both sides and I try and explain the reasons why... Some of them will turn around and say, well, have a look at... And then they'll talk about, say, for example, there's a player that plays for Crystal Palace, the defender plays for Crystal Palace. He, he came out of Brentford Academy, he's playing Premier League now. If Brentford had stuck with him, he would have been playing you know, with them. What, what's, your, you know, what's your answer to that?
4: So when we did it, I remember saying to Matthew, there will be players in this academy who will go and play at a very good level and, and that'll, that'll bite us, you know, and that'll be a story to say, which, which wasn't really the... Well, that shouldn't be an impact, you know, at that point. That shouldn't be part of the decision-making. The key, the key thing for me was when we looked at it, and and I, th- I think my background not in football helps because I wasn't in- indoctrinated in it, uh, and perhaps yours as well a little bit, was if I'm advising Matthew where to spend his next million, it isn't in developing an 8-, 9-, 10-, or 11-year-old player who may or may not go on to something and most likely won't. It's probably in spending that million on players who's much closer to the first team and, you know, kind of... Uh, putting all resource around that and focusing on that being excellent uh, rather than spreading it out thinly across many, many different age groups. So that, that for me was a key thing. And, and actually it was, um, you know, I mentioned it before, Lee Carsley actually had a, had a role in that because it was him who said to us, you know, why have you ever thought about running a Cat 4 academy instead of Cat 2? Do you need all these age groups because Cat 4 is only from 16 and up? And it was from that point we looked at it and went, actually, maybe, maybe that's a good idea, but maybe the game program at Cat 4 isn't, uh, isn't, isn't strong enough can we do our own games programme? Do we really want to play the Cat 4 games? And that was the, the kernel of the, of, the, of the idea. So um, the other thing to mention is that, um, I don't know how many people know, but two or three years before that, Matthew invested in uh, Youth Development European League, uh, which Mark Warburton actually was running for him a few years before he was at Brentford. Uh, can not remember what the name was? It's called, um, it's Gen. It's Next, Next, Gen. Next Gen. Next Gen series. And then UEFA came along and just basically did, did their own thing, and that was it, and it was, a, it was never going to survive after that. So, we had this experience anyway, sort of in, in the group of organising games against the, the best teams, and we felt we could do that. So, so, really, it was when that idea came along, we sat down and sort of thrashed it out again. We sat in a room and, uh, and put that plan together. The, the B team was a bit of a pun on uh, on Bs. So, that was the. And, but also, we, we looked at the other way the way that the European clubs, big European clubs, had B teams in the lower league. They were bringing a lot of players to because they're playing a better standard of football. We felt we could deliver something similar, even if we couldn't join League Two or the conference or whatever. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was the, so we, we basically wrote it on the back of a piece of uh, paper. Uh, the whole, structured the whole idea. Went and showed Matthew and went, do you like this? He went, in, a, in classic Matthew fashion, went, yeah, cool, cool, crack on. <laughs> and, uh, and, we, and we said, Rob, because Rob, Rob at the time was looking for a bit more of a defined role within the club, he was sort of floating a little bit. And we just said, there you go, crack on. And he was part of that process of the decision making. And then we just left him to it, right? And he then delivered what, what then became, came to be.
5: Now um, Brentford have been promoted to the uh, Pre- Premier League. Is it the Premier League? <laughs> Premier League. Is, is there any commitment to kind of reinstate an academy system? Do, do we have to do that or is that not, not something we have to do? Uh, we
4: don't have to. Uh, so n- next week or week after, is it next week? We're going down the Premier League, Raz and I, to meet Neil Saunders, who's had a youth down there. And uh, and just have a really good conversation, and uh, hopefully a good two-way conversation about uh, why we why we made this decision, which I've already explained why why we did it. what the Premier League can offer us in terms of E Triple P, what the what they see as the future. So um so you can't rule anything in and out. You know, at some point it might be might be wise for us to, especially with Brexit and making young players harder to bring in the country. Maybe it would be the right thing to sort of tweak the strategy again. Maybe.
5: So, so, so there is f- still freedom within the Premier League that Brentford are able to operate the way that we want to, without being dictated to.
4: Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I believe so. So uh, uh, maybe they'll tell us not, I don't know, but uh, I, I, from my understanding of the, uh, you know, having dealt with the Premier League over the last ten days or so, they seem very, very collaborative and open-minded. And I said Premier League, and I got absolutely now <laughs> <for it. laughs>
1: Premier League?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Premier League? (laughs) (laughs) This this is a winner, this (laughs) one. It's taken you long enough to get there, though.
4: Yeah, but just to be clear, 10 days after we got promoted, that's why we're here, right? If we get relegated, you won't see us. (laughs)
0: us. (laughs) Yeah, I'm coming on to that actually i tell you what, if so we go down, I'll
4: do I'll do GPG then. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: That's right. Ooh. So let's just come to that. The, the, the year, the transition year. Now that was a that was a that was a learning curve, that one. Basically, uh, Mark to moved on. We decided to get a new manager, um, or sorry, head coach in as well. We got a head coach in who, if you remember rightly, and I bet you don't know this, but he, he eats
5: fish with his hands. <laughs> <laughs> Lady, do you want to explain? Yeah, M- Marinus steichhausen So you know, we had we we thought it was a, a brilliant coup, and we 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 went we took him out for for lunch. Yeah, it was his first day in the job. He got his Overfinch Range Rover. He, he parked that up outside one over the eight. We we went and had a couple of drinks, and it was a sunny day, a bit like today. And um, he, I said, we said, you know, what do you want to eat? He said, oh, I lo- I'll have some fish. And um, the fish fish was delivered. And um, he ate it with his hands. <laughs> so, he eats fish with his hands. <laughs> <laughs> he eats fish with his hands. Maragin <laughs> of he eats fish with his hands.
4: Yeah, I don't know where to go with that. But anyway, I'll, uh, he, he inherited that overfinch from the previous manager. But uh, when Dean came, he got a Volkswagen. There was no <laughs> way
0: Dean Smith got... <laughs> <laughs> he did. So got new head coaching, and then you bought a whole load of players. I mean, you had a, a, a new um, sort of kind of... You you, well, you, you employed a sort of a, a, a couple of people to actually help you with the sort of kind of scouting and with the stats side of the thing as well. So you bought... I mean, you just... You went for it. It's almost like the Big Bang. It's almost like this is Brentford-Olds, which was the, the, the team that went up from Division One and, and, and lost in the playoffs, and then you just wanted to just change it, tear it up, and make it completely different. And it didn't... Qu- it was, it was a bit of a tricky moment, though, wasn't it? Uh, in what sense? <laughs> in what, what, was, what was tricky? <laughs> no, in the fact that, like, say for example, you bought I don't know, 14, 15 players, you bought in a okay. whole load of new players, you bought in a whole new manager, you made a load of changes at one time, yeah. and, and, and you were trying to make it all work, and it probably wasn't working quite in the way that you wanted it to, so you had to change your direction. That yeah, like,
4: like I said, we, we had to plan that, though, from... from from buying players, it takes time to plan. You don't just rock up one week and go, we'll have him, him, him. You have to really put six to 12 months of work into a lot of these players to, to get them to come if you do it, you know, if you want to do it right. So we, we, we had to sort of throw things together and see if it blended together. So some in that first summer, some we signed worked really well. So Ryan Woods was a good signing. Maxime Collam was, was a good signing. Some we bought who didn't necessarily impact the team as well as we'd hoped. Um, but went on to actually be good financial investments, so uh, Gogia was one Kirschbaum was one we made we 've actually made money on those transfers some didn 't work at all philip Hoffman didn 't work for us uh, he 's gone on now he 's doing quite well in, uh, in in second second Bundesliga, so he 's gone on to have a good career i don 't think the the identification of the talent wasn 't uh, wasn 't necessarily the issue it was just blending everything together. you know he was a totally different sort of player, and we felt we wanted a few things a few different options in there, but it just never worked for us. Um, which is you know, such as life. So we just learned over time you know, that you need, to, you need to have a clear plan of exactly what, what types you're trying to recruit into what style of play. And we, after 12 months, we
0: got that uh, more nailed down. We used to sort of play a little game as well and, and, uh, between ourselves because we used to try and work out which players were stat signings <laughs> and which players were kind of traditional scouting signings. And we were doing kind of really well in sort of most of them, you know, sort of hotter, yeah, you know, uh, Andre Gray stats, you know, but you know, some example, you know, uh, Bidwell, you know, sort of traditional signings, but we got a little confused on Big Nick Proswich. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, just to be clear, that was way before our
4: time. Like
5: <laughs> 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 Not were <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I've got others on my sleeve who were Rasmus. Don't worry. No, so, yeah, uh, no, we can't comment on him, sorry. That's disappointing, isn't it? Honestly, and
0: nothing to do with me. Don't
4: look at me. Have a back, have a back.
0: So, so who, I mean, who, 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 who? someone's got to be responsible for Big Nick. (laughs) Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's all right, that's all right then. (laughs) That's fine, I just spent a little bit, no, it didn't work, so it's fine, I'll move on. Okay, so... I mean, but the stats lot of things, you started to develop it. Because the thing is, I'm saying, you know, we're talking about this. At that stage, you were also, and we'll say this as, as, as fans, and we won't put it out of there, um, you were, the club's learning, you were learning, but also as fans we were learning. You know, imagine for us, we're, we're used to, sort of years later, where we're used to kicking them, get the ball up there, go on as fast as get possible, in get in the mixer. You know, and all of a sudden, Uwe came in and he changed his style a bit more passing, you know, pass them to death, you know, as he said. Uh, you remember that one as well? You know, that was just before Money's Not My God. You know, but we won't <laughs> talk about that. Because <laughs> Do you remember that one? Money is Not My God? Do you remember that? Do you remember? No? Said, we should have a quiz here. Who said Money is Not My God? Guess. One, one guess. Uwe Wasler. No, it wasn't. Mark? Mark? <laughs> Cliff Crown. <laughs> it's Cliff, yeah. M- yeah. No, I'm mean, not to say it. Was just, it was one of, those, one of those things at the moment now. We thought, this is brilliant. Money's not our God. Spent and then all of a sudden things changed a bit. It might, it might be now. <laughs> he is an accountant, so <laughs> make your own conclusions. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 like I said to you, yeah, yeah. So, um, I was talking about, I was talking about that period. You know, when you're buying, buying all the players and the development. But I'm just wondering, how did, how did you move on from there? I mean, what did you learn?
3: I mean, we, I think clearly we tried to change too much, too quickly um, that year. Um, and you know, obviously from the outside, you know, we we let Marino's go. But you know, it was no matter who we had appointed as a as a as a head coach that summer, it would have been very difficult to succeed because I think the the dressing room was not in a great place. The you know we had lots of different people from different countries coming in, you know, taking a role uh, in the staff. Um, so it was just it was just a lot of transition, and um, and I think we made some mistakes that probably set us probably six, eight months back, and uh, we had to make up for that. And as Phil said, when, when, when Dean Smith came in, that kind of allowed us to, to stabilize things and we could work on the B team, we could work on some of these you know projects in terms of getting the, getting the whole football department in a good place so you could really build on it from there.
0: Because and the point I think it's going to is that the fans at that time, like we were learning, you were getting a bit, you might have felt, because I remember you, you at the time, we used to sort of chat quite a lot, and you know, you know, saying to you, getting a bit of heat from the fans, and you, you were getting both. Getting let, let me
3: ask. Let me ask you. Who, who is the who is the player we've signed that surprised you the most? You know, you said I didn't expect that. Anybody? Shout, shout
0: outs from the from the from the floor. Yeah, no. oh, yeah. Anybody else? Jota Anyone else? V Bay. Any oh. other? <laughs> oh yeah, Joe Valencia. Oh, what about, um? I'm Javi Venter. <laughs> I am Javi Venter, oh, yeah. <laughs> no one. Re- if he walked in there, no one would have a clue, would they? <laughs> Maxine is a good player. Bettinio, ooh. Cool. Like, blinking, you miss him. <laughs> no, for me, Pontus. Because Pontus Janssen. Yes. We've heard of him. Yeah, we've heard of Pontus.
3: <laughs> you, you heard of his hat.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right, magic. Anybody else? Yeah, no, there's a there's a lot of calls for Yanel because he's, uh. okay. We're flipping forward now, but we asked. It was like it was like a magic hat, and forget about Pontus' magic hat. Yanel came out of a magic hat because he was nowhere. We were like, "Okay, Norgard is injured. Coming to the end of the window. Bing. Who the hell's this? Who is he? What is he? Where did he come from? Tell us." From Bochum. <laughs> and we were we had a drink in Bochum, didn't we? Yeah, we had a good. Yeah, we had a good drink in Bochum. You, me, and my son, that before that. Before that um. it was Vita there in the bar that, that day? That's a good. No? P- no, he wasn't. He wasn't playing for them because I checked it because he's playing for a different team. Then you know what I'm saying. But he came from that team, Bochum, which we had a, 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 a little drink at the bar in, in pre-season tour um, about a few seasons ago. But the fact is, uh, and I know you do your scouting, but this this was just properly random because the fact is that he's turned out to be brilliant. But how do you? How do you do it, and how do you know that he's going to be right?
4: You don't. (laughs) You don't know he's going to be brilliant or right. You can buy a player, and he can be brilliant, and he can buy a player, and it doesn't work out. I think what you're trying to do is be right more more often than not, if you can be. So with him, um, you know, we saw Thomas, in particular, as an out-and-out sitting, holding midfielder, and we had Christian Norgard at the time, so the question is, well, is he going to play? Not sure. Then we thought well, we got bits coming in the B team. We had high hopes for him, and I think he started to, you know, once he got over his injury problems, started to show a little bit about what he's about. So it was a fairly late in the day. We talked about him a lot back and forth about what we're we going to do. It, we're we not going to do it. You obviously weigh in into that equation the the price, which was which was a very good very good price as well. The scouts were very very strong on it. So our scouts were like, we think he's going to be a top player. So they they had they had a, quite a strong view on it. So you put all of that in, in, in the mix and you, you eventually go, right, we're going we're gonna to go and do it. Um, and you never know how things are going to play out. So we can't sit here and say, yeah, we knew we would do that. But I think the, the, the good thing for him, the, the bit of uh, serendipity for him, was he, when he came in, Christian got injured almost straight away, which was not great for us, but great for him. So you went straight in.
0: Did
4: you arrange that? <laughs> you know, well, yeah, we, we don't... <laughs> Um, so yeah, so so that, and then you play minutes, right? I mean, there could have been another scenario where he comes in, Christian plays every minute. He doesn't play for three months, and then he maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you know he loses maybe deconditions a little bit, and maybe he's uh, maybe he's saying maybe I need one loan. You know, there's all sorts of things that can happen that that affect the the
3: the way assigning certain signing turns out. Yeah, w- one thing that's I, I always find is interesting with the transfer window is that obviously when it, when the transfer window is closed, you have the players you have. And it looks like, all oh, right, you signed this player that was always the plan. But, you know, there's, lo- there's a lot of randomness in these transfer windows. And, you know, we, we, we obviously had like Ivan Tony, for example, uh, on, on the list for a long time. We, we tried to sign him in January, couldn't get him, was too expensive. Uh, then we tried again, you know, couldn't get him. He wanted to go to the Premier League. Uh, you know, then we were. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. He is in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so- well so uh but but we were looking at other options, and we were like really close to a couple of other options, and it was just like small small things that meant that we didn't sign those players and then you know if we if we succeeded with that, we wouldn't have gone for Ivan, and then you know suddenly out of the blue, that op- option came up again, and uh, the timing was right, and we, we we signed him so yeah it's it's not always planned I mean one thing is to having players on the radar uh. Another thing is to get the deals done. It can be very, very difficult. Uh, and another thing is also just the, the randomness in the transfer window. And, you know, sometimes it's just a coincidence who you end up with, you know, of, of the guys that is on the list
5: how much has COVID and Brexit affected uh, your your recruitment and the way you kind of uh, approach a, a potential new r- rookie? You know, I, I guess the, the fact that Brentford have proved that we're a, a brilliant stepping stone for anyone that wants to come into the UK and, and, and wants to better themselves and maybe use Brentford as a way of getting to the Premier League, although we're there now. So they, but, but what what kind of obstacles have been put in place over the last year or so? I mean, not, not, not a lot, really,
3: because we never, we never done a lot of live scouting. We, did, we never had like a, a group of scouts traveling around Europe watching games. Um, we've, 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 we've done a lot of video scouting. We th- maybe think that the cost that comes with having a lot of live scouts is probably not worth you know, the extra bits you get from, from watching, the, watching the players live. So uh, I don't think it's affected us much. To your question about you know Brentford as a stepping stone, I think where this really changed was the season before last, when uh, we um, when we when we bought Pontus Jansson, we um, we kept some of our top players, we refused some big bits. You know that's where in the especially in the minds of the players that probably if you asked some of these guys, they would say that's that's where it's changed for them. That this is where they felt oh now Brentford is no longer just there a stepping stone to the next level. Now Brentford could actually be my end destination. You know, they, they are serious about this. They want to make a real promotion push now. I'm just, and, and that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm just coming
0: back to this point of that season, like I said to you, it's a transition season. Were you feeling, did you feel the heat from the fans? I'm just interested to know. Which season? The 2015, when we got the new players in and things. Because at that stage, you know, we'd just gone up. Mark Warburton had just left got a new manager in, hadn't quite worked, got a load of players in. A lot of people were a little bit like, kind of like, you know, you know, oh, they're all right. And there was, there was a heat from certain areas of the fans. And I'm just wondering, did you feel that? Because you'd only just started as well. And in your head, were you thinking, hold a second, are we doing the right thing? We're under pressure here. The fans are on oh, us as well. We're doing the right thing. And oh, we've got this player and he's not working. Was it a bit scary? Ooh. <laughs> it was a scary film.
4: Uh, I, didn't, I didn't really notice it so much. I'm not on, like, Twitter and, like, a lot of social media platforms. He is, though. He got a right goal of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly from Matthew, actually, I think. <laughs> but no, no, not really. I mean, like, you just got to trust to what you're doing, I think. Um, like I said, we kind of knew we'd made some mistakes, and, but because we made them, we kind of also knew how, how to undo them as well a little bit. So, so yeah,
0: I think, I, th- I think you probably see a lot more of that than we do, to be honest with you and where we are because uh, and, uh, you're on social media so you must have felt it a little bit more because and also the other thing is that because you're quite um you, it seems to me and tell me it's right the, the roles are sort of split where even though you both direct the football you are quite UK and and Rasmus does quite European you know even though you might split the roles but it's like that so you were seen quite a lot when you're doing the sort of the deal in the UK and you'll be doing a bit of media and you'll be up for, for the France, whereas you're probably a little bit more behind the scenes a little bit and and there's also a little stage where I'll be honest with you. People are sort of saying, "What, what, what is Rasmus' role?" Not that they're disrespecting you, but there's like, "What is your role?" And then, and then, you- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yes, some were actually, <laughs> you know. So, and what was your role? And I'm just wondering, you know, what is my role? No, yeah, <laughs> but you, mean, that, you kind of, but yeah, it would be good to explain to people how that developed over time because you were in the background and then you move, you move more into the full, foreground.
3: No, I think I don't think it's changed much. To be honest with you, we, um, you know, my my role is to. To overlook Mitchell Land on behalf of Matthew, and uh, and then run uh, the football department of Brentford with, with Phil, and it's been it's been like that since since 2015, and it's still it's still it's still like that. So I don't think we we necessarily split the markets between us. We I think we have a, quite a complementary skill set. So we, we we it's more like that. We look at each task and say, all right, who's the who who who's the best to do this, um, so no i don't think i don't think it's um i'm not sure i agree with the perception that it has it has, it has changed it's been 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 the same all the way through and, and the
0: heat thing I just wanted
3: to yeah i mean yeah, i mean you you um is is always nicer when 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 it goes well but i think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as well yeah, and 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 so you very we 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 try and be critical of the decisions we make and try and see how we can do things better and and I think that's, that's, that's the pressure you feel the most really because you want to do well, you want to succeed with the with the project. Thanks for checking out part one of the besotted
0: live end of season spontaneous podcast with the Globe with Phil Giles and Rasmus Ankerson, Brentford's directors of football. Part two will be available on prideofwest.london shortly plus you could also check out the video of the event which will be up on Besotted 1992 YouTube channel. If you'd like to support Besotted, you can go to besotted.com forward slash beer. Many thanks for listening and check out the next part. I'm there conditions apply five years or 100 miles whichever comes first
2: pro pilot is an advanced driver assist technology driver's responsibility to stay alert drive safely and control vehicle at all times
3: this podcast
1: is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans